Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Kindled. So today I am chatting with Heather Robbins, who is uh, someone who actually spent 10 years inside the Hebrew Roots movement. She was a Christian and got kind of caught up in the teachings that she needed to observe Torah and keep all of the commands of uh, the Law of Moses. And so she and her husband lived that way for about a decade. And so she's going to share her testimony with us, um, what she believed while she was inside of that movement, and how she ended up coming out of it. I will say this conversation is so huge. This topic is vast. And so there's really no way that we could cover all the ground that that would be necessary in a one-hour conversation. And so I'm going to see about having Heather back for a part two, where we can talk more about how to reach our friends who are inside that movement, because I know that's many of you. So this episode will deal with her testimony and how she came out of the movement. And then next time we will talk about how to help our friends and loved ones who are still very much um, believing that they must observe Torah and keep all of the commands of the uh, the law of Moses in order to you know be a faithful follower of Christ. And um, really, I should say just believer of the Bible because they don't quite believe Christ is... Um, a deity and one with God, but more of that in my conversation with Heather. Uh, Before I get into that, I want to remind you that um, every week I'm publishing Firestarters over at kindledpodcast.locals.com. You can join us for 10 bucks a month in there. And other than that, um, just continuing to publish episodes as I can the rest of this season. Um, You know, I'm averaging probably around every two to three weeks. And so that's just the clip that I can continue at right now. It's working uh, much better for my family in this season. And I appreciate your guys' understanding with that. And, um, you know, whenever I do have an episode, I hope that it is that much more special and that you enjoy it. And I hope to be able to continue to bring you Uh, excellent in-depth conversations that communicate the truths found in God's word and encourage and equip you to live with a biblical worldview in the present evil age that we are in. So uh, I know that this conversation is going to be very helpful to that end. All right, that's all I have. So here is my conversation with Heather Robbins. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So um, we met just recently on Instagram, place that I meet a lot of people these days who I have on the show. And uh, what struck me about your profile was uh, you speak out a lot about um, Hebrew roots and you had a reel where you explained or what you didn't explain, but it was like a reel with an audio clip talking about how with when it comes to the claim Christmas is pagan, you said, find it in the Bible. You know, that's what the clip said, find it in the Bible. 
And this, this came about at a time, probably starting about a month ago when the whole Christmas is pagan conversation started coming up as soon as Thanksgiving's over, you know, everyone turns their attention to Christmas and all of the, you know, Christians who claim that Christmas is pagan started coming out of the woodwork on Instagram. And that conversation just fires up like clockwork every year. And um, I found myself kind of noticing um, that conversation a whole lot more this year than I have in the past. And I realized that where it was coming from partially at least was the Hebrew roots movement. And so I started kind of doing some research on that and digging in really deep. And then I came across your profile. So um, I'm excited to have you here to talk to us today. Uh, Before we get into it, why don't you introduce yourself to listeners and tell them who you are and what you do? Um. My name's Heather and I am a stay-at-home mom. I homeschool my children. I have five kids and one on the way. And congrats. I thank you. I think I think that pretty much like sums up what I do. I mean, I also um talk about Hebrew roots and Torah observance a lot online and I've started writing guided scripture journals and things like that. So that's kind of what I do in my spare time. It's really cool. So you do talk about Torah observance and Hebrew roots online again, like I, like I mentioned, that's how I came across your stuff. Um, but there's a reason that that is a topic that interests you. So, uh, why don't you take us back to kind of where your, uh, connection to that movement begins? Yeah. So it was at the beginning of, or at the end of 2010, right after I had my first son, my husband told me that Christmas was pagan. And I was just like, what? No, that's not what it means to me. That's not what this Mm -hmm. is. So uh, to rewind it a little bit more, my husband, um, he stopped celebrating Easter before we got married. And I didn't realize that at the time, which is fine. Um, As far as like, I don't regret marrying him. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm I, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> he also didn't want a Christmas tree. So I knew that going into marriage is like no Christmas tree. And I thought, oh, that's fine. I'm, I don't need a Christmas tree. Like that's not the meaning of Christmas for me. I can um, choose to not have one. So then moving forward after Christmas is over at the beginning of 2011, I did a deep dive into the paganism of Christmas. And I came across some teachers. One in particular was Michael Rude, and he had a show called The Rude Awakening. And in it, he is the one who really first introduced me to the Hebrew Roots movement. And at the time, I had that question in my heart was just like, okay, if Christmas and Easter are not pleasing to God to celebrate, what in the world can I celebrate? What can I do? Mm-hmm. How can I be obedient? That's really right. the draw of Hebrew roots for me was this is this is the way to be obedient. It was authentic, you know, authentic. Mm-hmm. It, it went back to the ancient ways to follow Jesus. And so I just started spiraling from there. Okay. So it was this desire to be obedient right? Like a good, a good desire that would, that's a godly desire to obey God's word. Like John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So that is a noble and and right desire, right? So where did it go wrong? Um, 
mistaking what what that means so like Jesus says if you love me you'll obey me or if, if you love me you'll keep my commandments and so having a misunderstanding of what those commandments are and equating the the commandments given in the law of Moses as the commandments that Jesus is talking about directly and honestly that Christianity got it wrong that they were no longer following the ancient ways anymore and we had to go back to as authentic and as um, ancient of a way that we can possibly get to okay so just to kind of clarify for listeners when you say Christianity got it wrong what (laughs) they're not saying is that the bible got it wrong they're saying that the way that the church has been kind of built through the centuries uh after the early church went awry somewhere they made missteps they misinterpreted scripture they kind of wrongly understood what it meant to live a christian life right yeah so that's where it can often start that's not where it like i ended up further than that right i ended up um, believing that even the new Testament wasn't scripture. Okay. So that's something we'll want to dig into. Um, I might come back to that because that sounds (laughs) like you really, you know, went pretty far down the path. And I think some people would probably say, um, well, you know, that's, then you misunderstood Hebrew roots. That's not what it teaches. Like, I've talked to these people who, who would argue like, no, true Hebrew roots is biblical Christianity. It's just not American Christianity. So they would argue like that the West has corrupted and polluted what scripture teaches and that we have out of the desire for convenience and out of feminism and all these different things. Um, we have basically corrupted the way that, that we are supposed to walk out our faith in obedience to God through of, of what his scripture commands. So what were some of the, what were some of the things that you started believing that you could now identify were, um, or wrong interpretation of scripture when it comes to God's law? Let's start there. So when it comes to God's law, I believed that the foundation of the entire Bible was the Torah. And so if, if you couldn't, back up scripture with the Torah, with the first five books of the Bible, then either we're misunderstanding it or it's not really scripture. Um, And just like, so I guess another thing is saying that Jesus didn't come to do anything new. He didn't come to change his father's ways. Mm. He said that he only taught what the father told him to teach that he only spoke what the father told him to speak and equating like just the, the very idea that Jesus didn't come to do anything new is very big in Mm. Hebrew root. And so that's why you have to keep the dietary dietary laws and the feasts and all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you said um, the foundation of scripture was Torah and you had to back up everything else in scripture to Torah. So what does that mean? Like what, how does that actually play out? What does that mean to someone in Hebrew roots? Um, so it's pretty difficult because 
all of the belief systems in Hebrew roots are very far reaching, except for two of them. And two of them, as far as far reaching, I mean, they're very, they're extremely versatile, depending on who you talk to. So the two beliefs that connect people in Hebrew roots are that the Torah is still for today, and that Jesus is the Messiah. And so Mm -hmm. for some people, Jesus being the Messiah, he's not even necessarily deity he's um Mm. so it's hard to say so i can i can say like what i believed in that okay um so for example if jesus said um that he is working on the sabbath um i I think he said that in john he Mm -hmm. said that he worked and his father has been working mm-hmm. um you interpret that by like saying oh well the priests worked on the sabbath or finding some way to justify what happened in the new testament with mm-hmm. something that was given in the torah which is actually meaning meaning to keep the sabbath yeah like you you still need to keep the sabbath so an example of, of something that was given in the Torah that changed even before Jesus came was the temple. And so you have the tabernacle, which is commanded in the Torah. And then David comes along and he says he wanted to give God a permanent dwelling place. And then he, his son is the one who built that permanent dwelling place, but there are no commands for the permanent temple temple to be built. Hmm. Um, and so all of the Torah commands surrounding the tabernacle are mm-hmm. no longer valid because right. they have a temple instead. And so that's something that I completely missed in Hebrew roots. Okay. Because it wasn't allowed to change. What wasn't allowed to change? Anything. Right. So, so nothing could change outside of Torah. Okay. So if you read something in the New Testament that seems like it contradicts Torah, it can't. It has to be interpreted by Torah, right? And I think it's important to like probably, you know, dig into that a little bit because I think what we don't want to do is give the idea that the New Testament does contradict the Old Testament. It doesn't. Like nothing in scripture contradicts itself. But what we are saying is that the... um. What we see, and my pastor describes it this way, the Old Testament is like a shadow. Like it is a, or he he describes it as the, the full bloom aspect of the seeds that are planted in the Old Testament do not come into their full bloom until the New Testament. So the, the seed of the temple, for example, we see the sacrifices, the blood, the the priesthood, all of these things having to be performed ritualistically, regularly yearly, all of the requirements, which animals were for which sins or which people, um, all of those, those requirements, they don't contradict what we see in the new Testament. It's just that we see that that was meant to be a, uh, a foreshadowing and a, a basically a seed of the full bloom of the priesthood of Christ becoming the sacrificial lamb and fulfilling the need for, you know, um, God's uh, propitiation for our sin, God's wrath to be satisfied. And so it's, we're not saying that, um, well, in reality, the new Testament contradicts the old, we disagree with you, Hebrew roots. We're saying, no, you're misunderstanding what the old Testament, uh, is meant 
to to do when when we see those uh those things happening you know in the early church when we see what what was happening and the commands that it wasn't meant to necessarily be perpetuated for for all Christians for all time but it was meant to foreshadow and show us the great need of a savior and the fact that look at the amount of effort and work and energy that had to go into that one of the things that people get hooked with is that God never changes. He stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. And also that idea of perpetual commandments, um, that it does say that the, the Sabbath is perpetual, that it's forever. And it uses the word olam. And there is a specific reference, though, that says olam, as in it, it uh, was exact, it was 70 years that's what Olam was referencing, was a period of time. And so to say certain commandments are perpetual, um, meaning going on forever and ever, is the language of, of the Old Testament, is the language of the Torah, but it's not necessarily what we would think it means. It mm-hmm. could have meant a specific time frame. And in Mm -hmm. fact, that's what the New Testament says it meant was that Mm -hmm. it was a time frame. And in Romans 7, Paul talks about um, that we, we are married when we're married, and our husband dies, we are free to marry another. And he said, so too with you, you are free. Um, You, you have now, you're now bonded to Christ. Um, so there was something else that I had wanted to say with that. Um, well, so yeah, you just talked about how it's it's for all time. I've heard that for all people, for all time. And again, I would say, I agree that God's word is for pe- for all people for all time, but that doesn't mean that the specific commands for the early church or for Old Testament uh, Jewish believers and followers were intended to be perpetually followed by those after Christ. And the reason is, is because in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, Christ says that he did not come to abolish the law of prophets, but to fulfill them. And so the whole purpose of the of the following of all of the you know requirements and the sacrifices and the being set apart by your dietary restrictions and all of these things that set his people apart and made them holy compared to the pagan, um, you know, worshipers of various gods of that time, it was to fulfill a purpose that was met um, ultimately in Christ fulfilling all of those things. Now, of course, we're still today called to be a people set apart for God and to walk in the good works that he's prepared for us beforehand. But that doesn't mean it has to look exactly how it did in the Old Testament, um, especially when it comes to the Torah observance, which is what we're kind of centering on. It's not like we have to be careful. We're talking about observing everything that is in Torah, right? Um, And so I I see this talked about very, I see this, uh, we'll we'll probably get to this a little bit later, but I see this labeled differently too. Like they don't all, uh, most of the time you won't actually see someone say I'm Hebrew roots, like they're not going to self-identify just the same way that you won't find people who say, hi, I teach prosperity gospel. Like they're, they're not going to say that. What they'll say is, you know, um, 
You are blessed and highly favored. You're a daughter of the king. Name it and claim it. God wants health and wealth and wisdom for you. And you can have this in the name of Jesus. I proclaim this over you. You're not going to see them say, I'm a prosperity gospel teacher. So in very similar way, you're not going to see Hebrew roots always call themselves out that way. They will say, you know, um, they will talk about Torah, Torah observance, whole Bible believers. What are some other words that you'll see kind of thrown around to, to reference them? Some, some people might even say like Torah pursuance, or they're just uh, trying to follow mm-hmm. the ways of God. I, I don't remember all of the main names that people have, but there's a certain stigma at this point in time with the label of Hebrew roots. And right. so people view Hebrew roots as fringe doctrine yeah. um, and that it's, it's far reaching. That's not, I don't want any association with that that that's not what i am but anytime somebody is Torah observant they they are hebrew roots whether they want to be called that or not mm-hmm. um so but i i did remember what i wanted to say earlier yeah. um and that has to do with with um the things in the new testament having to line up with torah that idea that's where certain ideas like, oh, the New Testament is commentary on the Old Testament. That's what that is. And then, well, the book of Hebrews, like I actually know teachers who uh, don't want the book of Hebrews at all in their Bible. Um, Why is that? Because, <clears throat> because it very specifically says that when there's a change in the priesthood, there's a there's necessarily a change in the law as well. Mm-hmm. Um it talks about how there's a, a better covenant established on better promises. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Jesus is our, is our sin offering. He is the atonement for our sins. And that would mean that there's a change in what, what mm-hmm. was offered before in the old covenant. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make the Bible contradict itself at all. Right. It just is this story that's being told. Um, and so what happens, what happened with me is that I eventually started, um, believing that, well, maybe, maybe I just highly misunderstand Paul. That's Mm -hmm. he's, he's the thorn in Hebrew side, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And he, I, I got to the point about five years in, so I was, I was Torah observant for 10 years, Wow. about five years. in, I got to the point that I believed that Paul was probably a heretic. And at mm. that point, I believe that, um, I couldn't worship Jesus, um, because I would be committing idolatry. Uh, so these are some of the more extreme examples and beliefs and, and things that people can be led into. I was a very strong believer before I came into Hebrew roots. And again, my desire was to obey Jesus and to follow his ways. Worshiping Jesus, you found yourself believing that worshiping Jesus was idolatry. Like how, how does someone get there? How does a Christian, and you said you had been a believer um, who believed in Christ, you know, would have said you were saved, believed in the Bible. How do you get to the place where you're now saying no worshiping Christ is idolatry. Um, so I stopped reading the new Testament, um, especially Paul's writings. But now that I think of it, I like what I was focusing on was Torah. 
um, almost exclusively the first five books of the Bible, uh, trying to do the best that I could to follow all the commandments that were written. And so I lost sight of how in the gospels, it's very evident that he is worshiped and that's mm-hmm. how we're supposed to walk out life. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he was a, he was a man and believing that I should only be worshiping the father and that, so like, there's this, this belief that he is the word made flesh, which is true. That mm-hmm. is um, what John says, but saying that the word made flesh, people say, well, he's the Torah made flesh, but he's not the t- Torah made flesh. He's, he's the word of God um, mm-hmm. made flesh. He's, he's the spoken word that like in the beginning and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. but anyway, that doesn't mean he's the literal Torah that, that diminishes who Christ mm-hmm. is and what he came to do. And it diminishes who God is by saying that the only thing we can, that, that God is stuck only with what he, he gave the Israelites. Um, so I don't know. It, it's, it's just small beliefs here and there that, that change mm-hmm. uh, people's mm-hmm. minds and walk them in, into such a, a state of like bad doctrinal yeah. and confusion you know yeah i see that that it's it's these little it's like these quarter turns off from truth that don't seem like a big deal and it almost seems like it's this esoteric like higher level of thinking or knowledge that has not been available to you before that you're like oh i had it wrong oh wow like there's there's more there that i didn't realize like and it, it almost comes off like you're deepening your faith you're uh, because it is more challenging too, right? Like to live according to Torah. And so there's this pursuit of works and it's, it is works-based righteousness. Um, they wouldn't say it is, but it is like LDS or Catholicism. They would say probably, no, this is obedience to God. And, and like where I would agree with them is that obedience to God is, is not my righteousness. It's my, it's my joy, right? I should, I, I would obey God because I love him. John 14, 15, I would obey Jesus because I love him. And, and yet you do see them heaping a new law on Christians, on followers, uh, those who believe in God, who believe that God, the word of God is true. You see them heaping all these requirements of, you know, living according to Torah, um, staying set apart, the dietary restrictions, keeping the Sabbath, all of the things that that entails in a way that is, um, that, that does come down to being, um, you know, I, I would say in many cases, salvific, like not all of them would probably say you're not saved if you don't observe. Um, but a lot of them would. And you, you mentioned, um, when we weren't, we, we just had a section that forgot to hit record again. You mentioned that, um, they would say like, if you don't know, then you're not, you don't have to follow it. But once you know, you do. Right. So like some who don't follow, it's just because they haven't like reach that level of sanctification yet in their faith or or they haven't yeah it hasn't been revealed to them yet okay um but james specifically is brought up a lot like he says um show me your faith without works and i'll show you my faith by my works and so Mm -hmm. that idea of of um 
works-based faith, the, the claim and heart posture in many people who are Torah observant is that they're doing it out of love, out of mm-hmm. obedience, um, but not in order to be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I think I have a post on that explaining why I still think that it ends up being salvation based mm-hmm. um, doctrines, but I'm having a hard time well, at the moment. Well, I mean, it would though, if, if you, if you get to the place where like you were, that you're denying Christ, that you're potentially, potentially denying the deity of Christ, that you're saying it could be idolatrous to worship Jesus, then it is salvific because you just are, you now are saying that your savior is it's idolatrous to worship him. So, I mean, you can, you know, they can tell me all day that uh, observing the law, no, it doesn't save you. But guess what? If you if you take all of these little quarter turn twists of scripture and you mount them all together and you pursue them till their till their natural end and you end up where you did as someone who was Torah observant uh, and a part of this movement and and really seeking to kind of follow it by the letter of the law for a decade, you wind up at a place where I mean many people wind up at a place where they are now faced with the reality that you know, the New Testament isn't God's inspired word. It shouldn't be in the canon. Paul was uh, a false teacher and he was a Roman plant and um, Jesus can't be worshiped. It's it's idolatrous to worship Christ. So, I mean, it's salvific because that is, that's how you are saved by believing in Christ that he is who he says he is. Um, the son of God, you know, the second person of the Trinity, uh, the propitiation for our sins, the one who fulfilled the law and the prophets. Um, you know, I just, I, it's, it's a really big deal is, is what I'm trying to say is like, this is a really big deal. Like, even if you don't start off saying that my salvation is through my works, that by all of these scriptural twists, you end up with doctrines that essentially will lead you to deny Christ as the, as, as your savior, as the propitiation for your sins. No, it's not that it's all these other things that you have to do to be righteous before God. And, and that will lead you to a place that you are not trusting in the finished work of the cross of Christ on the cross. You're trusting in something else. Yeah. So when you say that, that, um, it's the new covenant plus the old covenant that, that is, that is works. Um, and even just like the like jumping ahead, the final straw on the camel's back, so to speak, for my husband. So he came out of tour observance um, probably nine months after I did, but I still consider my time in that as being still tour observant because he was. Um, and it had to do with circumcision. So if you look at circumcision, it was absolutely required to be a part of the people of God in the old Testament. Um, and then having the new Testament say that it's no longer required to be a part of the people of God. Like that's why you had the circumcision party that Paul was speaking Mm -hmm. out. Um, and that makes it a salvation issue. And he was saying, no, circumcision, um, of the heart is, what is required now we are a new creation in christ that's what Mm -hmm. mattered um whether you're physically circumcised or not um Mm -hmm. so 
like I didn't think you could attend a Passover um, service even without the temple uncircumcised. Um, now we never <laughs> checked anybody <laughs> or anything like that, but that's like what we we um, definitely held to. Mm. Um, so some other beliefs that I had at the time was everything in the word of God had to match up with what the Torah said. I can't remember if we already went through that. Yeah, um, I can't remember the recording, but um, I also questioned Paul to my close friends. I would say that he was a heretic I, to other people. I would be like, I'm, I think he's probably a heretic. Mm-hmm. Uh, was very close to denying Christ. Um, I thought Paul was planted to lead people astray uh, from what Messiah came to teach. And rather than him being a true believer, mm-hmm. um, I stopped praying because I was so afraid of getting it wrong. So um, God said to not learn the way of the pagan. Um, and that was, that's in Jeremiah 10. Mm-hmm. And if we were like, I was so paralyzed of that. So that's a red flag is the pagan police. Like not mm-hmm. everybody in Hebrew is pagan police, but like, I was so afraid of, of being pagan. Yeah. In the way that the pagans worship their gods mm-hmm. yeah. that I, I didn't want to do it wrong. And I think that's part of where the idolatry, like believing that I was worshiping Jesus was mm-hmm. idolatry was yeah. that if I'm worshiping a man other than the creator kind of a thing, mm-hmm. because I believing in the Trinity and I separated the two. Um, and why couldn't you believe in the Trinity? Um, well, it started out with uh, a simple. Uh, oh, because it's multiple gods. It's like three gods in one three. Is that what you yeah. would claim? Yeah. Okay. Yes. The Trinity, the, the claim is that the Trinity is a pagan idea. Okay. Um, so, because we yeah. don't see the word Trinity in the old Testament and the new Testament shouldn't really be in the Canon. And so where we see the, tr- the Trinity really explained most clearly and, and, uh, you know, revealed that that's the nature of the Godhead, even though it's in the old Testament, um, in seedling form, we, we obviously see Jesus present in Genesis one, one at creation, you know, and, and then we see that again, in, in John one, that the word was, um, with God and the word was God and Jesus was the word made flesh. And, and so, um, but you would have, you would have seen that as like, yeah, paganism, um, the definition of, of paganism is, is essentially any beliefs that are fringe or outside of the main, uh, artery religions like, uh, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And so this was something that probably got trafficked in, in your, in your view at the time, I'm saying this is, this is something, a concept that got trafficked into, um, basically the, my, my interpretation of scripture. And so I should reject the Trinity, reject that teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, believing that Jesus isn't God, that he isn't a deity, Mm -hmm. um, or the deity is, makes it easier to be like, well, it's, 
idolatry, mm-hmm. to worship him. But equating Jesus as saying he's the word made flesh, which is true, but saying that he is the word made flesh means he's the Torah made flesh, mm-hmm. i.e. able to follow the Torah means that you're actually following Jesus. But mm-hmm. so I had warped belief that if I, if other people wouldn't follow the Torah, they're not really following Jesus. So they're not actually saved. Yeah. Um, and that if a Jew kept the Torah, that they're actually following Jesus. And so yeah. they're more in the heaven than yeah. somebody who doesn't mm-hmm. um so and I, I, before you move on i have in conversations with with people who would identify as Hebrew roots or sometimes they'll call themselves um oh just messianic i think he said i would consider myself messianic and so he said you know what did Jesus do? Look, not what would. And this is what was intriguing to me. He was like, don't ask what would Jesus do? Ask what did Jesus do? And as a reformed Christian, I'm like, yeah, actually, yes, that's correct. I I, I love that. That's really, really good because yes, we shouldn't be like, oh, let me, I don't know. Let me reach into the atmosphere and figure out what would Jesus do in this random situation that Jesus isn't in. Let me look at what scripture says he did. But the problem is that what he meant by that was that I should be living the way Jesus did in all ways, shapes, and forms, including observing Torah. And that was his argument for why he observes Torah is because he was following in the way of Jesus um, or Yeshua, you know, whatever he called him, um, which the naming thing is something we can get to in a minute about the names of God. But like when he said that, yeah, I was like, see, now that's where you missed. That's where that's you messed it up. Like what your, your original statement was good, but what you mean by it is wrong. If we are to literally follow in all of Jesus's footsteps, that would mean for me to be a true follower of Yeshua. I have to go to the middle East today and go be crucified on a Roman cross Like, that's not actually what we have to do. We don't have to actually go relive Jesus's life, but there's principles from his life that we, of course, follow. The Bible does call us to die to ourselves. So, and the husband lays down his life for his wife, the way that Christ died for his church. So there's, of course, a lot of parallels and a lot of rich truths that we see demonstrated from Genesis to Revelation about the way that we live as believers and followers of of the true God of, you know, God and Jesus and the Holy spirit, the three in one. And yet it isn't just as simple as saying, just do what Jesus did because that's you're missing it. No, like we can't. That's the thing I want to say to them is we couldn't, we couldn't do what Jesus did. And that's why Jesus had to come. We couldn't fulfill the law. We couldn't follow the law perfectly. We couldn't follow We couldn't observe Torah perfectly. Nobody could. That's the whole point. Like that's the whole point of Jesus coming. That's the whole point of Christmas. What we're about to celebrate is Jesus had to be born and take on human flesh and die a death that we deserved because we couldn't follow the law perfectly. We failed. Romans 3.23. And yet here they are, you know, basically um, trying to go back to heap this, this burden back on themselves that they don't need to. And it's just, it, it's in, it's infuriating and heartbreaking and, and angering all at the same time, you know? There's certain scriptures, um, I think like in maybe Jeremiah 16 talks about how, um, how they called his, uh, law, his commandments, a burden and they, that they're not burdensome. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that is said a lot. It's like, this isn't burdensome Mm -hmm. to do. Um, 
And well, again, general, twisting. <laughs> generally, the the heart posture is to to be content in doing whatever it is that God wants of us, whether or not uh-huh. we understand it. Um, yeah, which I'd to, agree with. Yeah, to trust in Him and His is in His um, ways and mm-hmm. lean in Him and, and not our own ideas mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, however, yeah. <laughs> however, <laughs> it's what His Word tells us to do. Those commands is very important because yes, it His commands are not burdensome. But his commands are not also whatever you say they are. They are what he says they are. And so it's really important that we get those right, that his commands for us today, that we don't misinterpret scripture. And that's the problem is at the core of everything we're discussing is this misinterpretation and misunderstanding and therefore misapplication of scripture. Because if you misunderstand the interpretation, you will then not apply it rightly. And that's the core issue here is at, at, at the bottom of each of these weird and off and different and twisted beliefs is this misinterpretation. And, and I agree with you. Like if God told us to do a headstand for two hours a day, and that was in his word, well, we better do that and find the strength in, in Christ to do so. However, telling someone you have to do a headstand two hours a day and saying his commands are not burdensome. Well, that's twisting scripture. That's not what it doesn't actually call you to do that. And so to do that and to add something to his word that that does not apply to us and that is not in his word, and that's not what it means. Um, let's say it even was in his word, but it's like that's not what it means. That's where you get into, you know, why we would make claims of um of of twisting scripture and 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 corrupting it really. Yeah. So I think that's a similar like ideal that a Hebrew roots person holds is to not twist scripture to to not misinterpret scripture um even though they they have to misinterpret scripture to come away with doctrines that they have so another thing I felt was that I was missing out on a relationship with Yahweh because there's no temple and so Mm. I for a temple. I longed for the ability to make sacrifices to actually be able to, um, to draw near to God in that way. Because again, even though it says in James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, right? That's James. Um, that I, I had forsaken, you know, the, the new Testament at that time. So, the, um, I think one of the things that draws people to, um, Hebrew roots is this thing that they've inherited lies. When someone believes that they've inherited lies, they, there's like this big pendulum swing. And so I believe that I inherited lies in the form of Christmas and Easter and that the church fathers all had it wrong and everybody did it wrong throughout Mm -hmm. the whole. So I, I clung to this belief. Um, But anyway, five years in, I was in on really dangerous ground scripturally and Mm -hmm. doctrinally about to walk away from the Lord at one of the lowest points in my life. Uh, not just 
with my belief systems, but in, in other ways as well. Um, and then I met somebody who was also Hebrew roots at that time. Like if you were to go into a messianic church or a congregation or whatever they call themselves, um, it's unlikely to find true Hebrew roots people there. Mm. Um, because like messianic Judaism is almost halfway between Christianity and Hebrew roots. Mm -hmm. There's a book I could send to you um, about it. It's uh, called Messianic Judaism is not Christianity, which mm -hmm. is like, like he's taking that quote from people in Messianic Judaism themselves. So anyway, I was at this Messianic congregation and I saw a woman wearing seat seat. And if you see a woman wearing seat seat, what's that? Uh, <laughs> the tassels. So the tassels generally Jews will only male Jews will wear the tassels um, or the seat seat and they'll be all white almost always mm -hmm. wearing them. In Hebrew roots, everybody wears them and sometimes even children and mm -hmm. they are blue and white uh, tassels that hang from uh, your garment, from your shirt, generally. Okay. So we'll hang them from their pants. So there was this lady wearing the seat seat. I forget that sometimes I need to explain some of the words. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, and so I was just like, oh my goodness. And before that, I had the first five years, we had only a very small group of believers. And primarily in that group of believers, it was the men who had brought the families in, or they were single men, mm -hmm. um, rather than what you see on Instagram is mostly women, but Instagram is mostly a, a female driven platform anyway, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, primarily females on there. So anyway, a lot of those people actually ended up denying Christ, mm. uh, so there was probably like maybe five families or so in the first five years that we would meet with on a regular basis. And, and some of them did deny Christ and convert to Judaism. Mm. After I met this woman, I actually found out that there was a whole lot of people. And I, I met a lot of people in real life in um, close to me and started fellowshipping with them. Mm. Within that, God put certain people in our lives. And some of these people are my friends today who walked out of Hebrew roots with us, mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool. So we just spent years wrestling scripture out together, mm -hmm. coming to the place that it's <laughs> like, that we don't have to keep the law of Moses anymore. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so meeting this woman, I started attending a Hebrews group um, that was fairly big, and I met some people there. Um, and eventually, we felt like we needed to move groups, and we started going with people who looked at 
they said that they looked at the Torah through the lens of a resurrected Messiah. And so what had happened before in my, in my journey was that Christ was so diminished and almost like rarely talked about, or if he was talked about, it wasn't in what he did. He wasn't uplifted. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? He was, and these people, what they did was they uplifted Christ and mm-hmm. they started to return the balance of like, they, they helped us to restore the new Testament as scripture. Mm-hmm. And they helped us to restore the Messiah to his rightful place, even though, even with still the baggage of Torah observance being for today, but mm-hmm. they so highlighted Jesus that it, um, it just did something in my heart where it started to really draw me closer and back out of Hebrew roots. Um, Hmm. And then we had some other friends who would actually wrestle out scripture with my husband um, and with myself. So we're Christians and not in Hebrew roots. Nope. Still in Hebrew roots, because there's also another thing where um, this particular family, they walked out with us. Okay. Um, the first family I was talking about are still in it actually, Mm. but, um, when you're in Hebrew roots and in doctrines like that, it's very hard to be willing to listen to anybody from any other, um, doctrine, especially if you are believing that Christianity is false, that it's a religion and all of that. Like you don't want to hear their teachers. You're very about who you listen to. And so it's like, God put in my place, people who believe that the Torah was for today, but still Mm. they uplifted Mm. Christ. Um, That's really cool. And then, yeah. And then I joined, uh, so like there are people in it who really do still love Jesus and they never Mm. waver on what he did for us. They're just like, well, he didn't, we still, I mean, I guess some people would say that certain things change, but generally it's like a, it's a package deal mm-hmm. and he either. Yeah. All of it or, or all that you can do currently today because you can't do everything today. Yeah. Uh, and so it's probably, it's, it's helpful to hear that because we can recognize that, you know, not everyone in Hebrew roots is outside the faith. Um, it's a spectrum. There are those, like you said, who would recognize Jesus as savior, that they're saved by his grace and not their works, but that because they are misunderstanding and misinterpreting scripture that can lead that, that wrongful teaching on, we have to still observe Torah today, among other things can lead to all of those other, you know, slippery slope beliefs and, um, and, and twisted understandings of what God's word really says. And so, you know, I I think that's just important to kind of draw out that, um, you know, not all, not all beliefs are created equal. Like if I believe, you know, and, and this is where Romans 14 comes in, right? Like let each one be convinced in his own mind. Like all days are, are, um, are gods, all the days are gods. But if someone wants to celebrate a feast, and consider a day holy, great, let him do it. But if another doesn't, fine, let him not do it. Let each one be convinced in his own mind. And there's there's freedom in Christ to, um, you know, interpret uh, some of these things differently. But it's when we heap our conscience on an issue that God has not spoken to, 
um, or has said there's freedom in this and we say, no, there's not for someone else, that's when we run into problems. Right. Um, and, and I think yeah. even, oh, go ahead. That's a general ideal or in the Hebrew roots movement is that that isn't a true freedom. It's not like this mm-hmm. isn't my yeah. holy that I think is holy. It's what God thinks it's holy. It's how yeah, we should for be sure. We want to be obeyed like that. Totally. And I think, you know, uh, I said this when our recording got messed up, but I'll say it again. This is where I see Hebrew roots being the most attractive, especially in a forum that is women based like Instagram. Cause I don't know a single Hebrew roots guy on Instagram, but I know lots of women who, um, who really delight to show that part of their life off. Um, it makes for great Instagram content. I will say, um, it, it look, it's beautiful. It's unique. Yeah. It's intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, really pretty. I mean, they have these beautiful feasts. It seems like, oh, there's this special, it feels historic. I mean, it is historic. <laughs> so, um, but like what I will say is attractive about the movement. What I think draws people in, I don't know if this is what drew you in, but what I find mesmerizing or, or maybe um, the most kind of intriguing about it is that um, they, there is, you will see across Instagram profiles, uh, return to the truth, or you'll see truth seeker or follower of the way, like returning, you, you see all these ideas kind of emphasized in the language they use in the types of it, it, the way they dress, the way they live their lives, the, the, what they talk about, um, their values and, and I think it's this like reaction that a conservative reformed Christian like me would have to the culture as well, that I would agree with them on so many of the things they say on, on their face. I would agree. We do need to return to the truth. We need to return to scripture. We need to get back to God's word in its purest form. We need to not, um, you know, I reject so many of the corrupt quote unquote churches today that are totally uh, just bastardizing God's word and and totally twisting it and uh, just so many gross violations of like what it actually says and, um, you know, uh, mega churches or it doesn't matter the size really, but I'm thinking of a few in particular that, um, that are not preaching the gospel at all and are, are really just twisting scripture um, and calling it a Christian church, right? And you can see how much money they're raking in from the quality of their fog machines, but um you know i reject all of that stuff too i i don't like i don't like how so much uh, so many churches have been corrupted and are preaching such a false gospel and so i i am intrigued when someone says we want to get back to um back to what god's really got god says and and we want to obey him we want to obey him you know, the way that he commands us to in his word i want to be like yes and amen i agree with you but it's just that what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, what do you mean? What does it look like to obey him? Does it mean I have to go and make sacrifices? Well, where's what in what temple, right? Does it mean I have to um in our backyards? That was a question we asked. Do what? <laughs> we asked, like, can we do this in our backyards? Are we yeah. priests in our own, etc.? Yeah. Yeah. Which people do. I mean, I've seen like women that will kill slaughter like fatted calves and you know, do that. And and they really will to the best of their ability, try and walk it out. And so I, I can respect that there's a desire for purity and unadulterated truth. The problem is 
if you're misinterpreting scripture, it isn't truth. And so you're not arriving at, you know, no matter how historic your practices become or how rooted in what you read in scripture they become, if you've misunderstood that you don't have to observe Torah and in fact, requiring others to do so as a Christian living in 2022 um, is actually wrong to teach that. Uh, You know, it's just, it's, it's kind of so painfully close and yet so far, you know, it's like a swing and a miss. Like you were almost there and yet, nope, that isn't it. That's what I used to think about uh, Christians. Uh, like who would talk about obeying God and keeping his commands. I'm like, Uh Oh, you're so close, but you're so far away. Uh, But really they actually were hitting the nail on the head, (laughs) you know? Um, So, so, so about seven or eight years into my journey in Hebrew roots um, is when my foundation started coming back where I stopped believing more of the heretical things. And so um, some of my Torah observant friends would probably wonder like, well, where did we go wrong? That we would go, we'd believe such false things. And then now we're not even believing and keeping the law of Moses anymore. So that, I mean, it wasn't quite enough to get me out to have those people, those solid believers in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started attending this wild and free, um, group. And there was Mm -hmm. this lady who was a very strong Christian believer who is not Torah observant. And she kind of just won me with like how much she loved God. And I started asking questions and they're, they're not questions that can always be asked, but they're questions that, that worked in my particular, um, Mm -hmm. So like I would watch her and I'd be like, she is closer to God than I am. And Mm -hmm. I mean, however people believe that, but this is what I was thinking at the time is that she is closer to God than I am. And I am following the Torah. Like I'm keeping his ways. I'm doing his things, but I'm missing something. And she has something that Mm -hmm. I missed. What does she have? What closer walk is there to the Messiah than walking the way that he walked. Um, and so just through seeing other people's lives and their own, um, lives bearing witness Mm -hmm. to the goodness of God outside of having to keep the law of Moses really was intriguing to me. And then, uh, God brought another woman into my life and <laughs> she actually sparred with me with scripture, mm, wow. which was amazing. So she would say these things and she'd bring up, but what about this? And but well, Paul says this, and she's the type of woman who for like, she's been a, a believer since she was young and she's, I think in her fifties now. Mm. Um, and she is so consistent with her Bible study and she knows the scripture, Mm -hmm. you know, very well. And, um, what she did was, so she would spar with me and I would, I would think, ah, but I can hear all the arguments in my head as to why she's wrong, but I can actually start to understand what she's saying and hear what she's saying. It was like through a Mm -hmm. fog that I could, um, hear what she was saying. 
And um, that, that was extremely helpful. And then it was in the middle of 2019, I had this desire to celebrate Christmas again. And I, I had had a desire to celebrate Christmas due to um, just wanting to be with my family mm-hmm. every single year. But every year I would re-up on how pagan Christmas was. So if you remember, like I started out because Christmas and Easter were pagan mm-hmm. and I wanted to be obedient. Um, and then in 2019, in July, I remember being like, it's July. It's not even November yet. Like I'm already wanting to celebrate Christmas. No. And then a few months later, this Torah observant woman shared a whole slew of articles, uh, uh, sources on how Christmas does not originate in paganism. Now she still doesn't celebrate Christmas. She's still Hebrews. She's actually a Hebrews teacher. Her name is Tyler Don Rosenquist. And, um, I had developed trust with this teacher for a few years. Um, and so I read every article that she had linked. And then I was like, oh my goodness, Christmas isn't pagan. And wow. then I thought for sure Easter, like for sure Easter's pagan. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, Easter isn't pagan. And I'm more sure that Easter isn't pagan than I'm sure that Christmas isn't pagan. Um, And the thing about either date uh, or the date of Christmas is that it just, it's mostly, it's not historically provable. Mm -hmm. That's what, if I, and then I was, uh, this was right before Christmas in 2019, I wrote in my prayer journal, Mm -hmm. I I told the Lord, I was like, I don't want to be Torah observant anymore. And I don't want to, or, and I want to celebrate Christmas. And that for me was like a pipe dream, Mm. like that happen Hmm. um and then in 2020 I started really just I'm like okay if if I was wrong about Christmas I need to really study the Bible again so already once in my life I had restudied the Bible and come away with Torah observance being the way to walk out my faith and so was I willing again to drop mm-hmm. everything I believed, everything I, I spoke about to people and humble myself again and relearn again. Am I, and, and I ended up doing that and it was, it was very hard. There was a lot of tension in my marriage. Um, and I tried very hard to not like mm-hmm. force my husband, but I was like, I would find these little tidbits and I'd be like, Oh, look at this mm-hmm. and look at this. And it was, it was, um, about nine months later that my husband finally, mm-hmm. uh, was like, Oh, I see it. And then it was almost like a night and day difference in, yeah, uh, that must've been so amazing and joy filled. It, it was. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. So he came out of it. I, you know, I feel like watching you like kind of trying to go back and think like, what did I believe? It's like watching someone trying to see, trying to think back to like, um, what did I like, you know, you described it like a fog you were seeing through the fog. It's almost like trying to pretend like fog exists and guess at what 
what you believed about the objects that were around you, you know, how far away something was in the distance that you couldn't really see. It's like that. It's kind of disorienting. Like, I mean, you're like, I don't know why I thought that because it's not true. And now I see, but at the time it's made a lot of sense. And I thought that you guys were the ones who were so off. And it's just, it's kind of like fascinating to see that, you know, you came out of that fog trying to go back and remember what you saw when you were in the fog, you know? Yeah. And, and Paul says that, uh, they read Moses with a, with a veil, Mm -hmm. like during their, and that's how I, I think of people Mm -hmm. who are Torah observant and in the Hebrew roots movement that they're, they're unable to see, uh, the truth of scripture all the while believing that they have the revealed special knowledge Mm -hmm. that special truth, which it's such a tempting lie for so many in a million different ways, not just Torah, but when it comes to so many other things too, like Enneagram information or any number of new age pursuits, uh, you know, energy or manifestation or any, any self-actualization, like so many things that are couched in, which like that's has nothing to do with being Hebrew roots, but this, this, this attraction to a special knowledge, a higher way of living, not everyone around you will get it. You'll be different. You'll be set apart. You're, you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to have to kind of be the martyr because they're not going to get you. And yet that's the, what's God's called you to. This is your path. This is your journey. And it's always kind of like, you said this in one of your messages to me that, um, that they sometimes have, uh, they they use a lot of the same words that Christians do, but they mean something different than normal Christians do that leaves this room for this martyrdom effect um, and becoming entangled in a blasphemous deception, your words. And I think that's just like very true. I, I think that's a really good way of putting it. It is a blasphemous deception. As much as we can say the intent might be good, it might be pure and, and a, a righteous desire for understanding, you know, how to obey God and doing so. And yet, it doesn't matter what the intent is if we're actually um, walking that out in contradiction to what his word says, right? It doesn't matter if we say, oh, well, God, you know, um, the the my heart was right in it. Like I was trying to obey you. It's just that I was actually going against what half of your word says and then starting to believe wrong things about you. Like it doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, I'm not judge, but uh, but we we have to understand scripture rightly, and that's just what keeps coming to the forefront of my mind in this conversation. Is like the interpretation of scripture is so important. It's so important to be solid in a solid Bible teaching church that is teaching you how to read and understand God's word for yourself, but also giving you those um, those tools. You know, and I I was in a church that was not sound at all. I mean, it started out that way, but it drifted over ten years, and it became very liberal in their theology. And we left in 2020 when social justice stuff was going on and they were teaching, you know, basically a a version of, um, you know, black liberation theology, but just Christianized like CRT, essentially. Um, they were teaching that. And, you know, I, I remember um, coming out of that and being like, I don't I feel like I was asleep. I feel like I just got lulled to sleep. How? Did I not see so many of the, the writing was on the wall for years and yet it took something really drastic to wake me up, you know, really, really extreme to wake me up and shake me out of my slumber and go, oh my goodness, like, wait, 
it's not only this that's wrong. There's a lot of things you guys have been saying that now I see, you know, now I see clearly. Um, and yeah, so I, I've I've had my own version of that as well. So, you know, I understand how how those things can happen. So closing out, you know, I think it'd be helpful if we could just identify if there are a few different like red flags or potential red flags, not to say that these things always indicate someone's in Hebrew roots, but what you will find is that people in Hebrew roots typically do have these things um, that they teach. Like, what are some of those, those things is like, uh, what comes to mind for me is maybe names of God, different names for God that you'll see like listed in profile or being talked about when they're sharing their faith. Um, can you reference like what, what some of those things are? Yeah. Um, so if somebody uses the name Yahweh, that's, that's like, a not necessarily an indication that they're Hebrew. Uh-huh. But if they're using Yahuwah or Yehovah, that's definitely indication that they're um, probably Hebrew roots. So, and the reason I say that about Yahweh is just that's a pretty popular, Mm -hmm. like even even mainstream Christianity will say Abba, which uh, is daddy. Uh, So I was saying Abba father before I became Hebrew roots. Um, Another thing is like, I keep the commandments. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily something mainstream Christianity will say, you know, mm-hmm. they desire to be obedient, but they don't make an emphasis on the commandments. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm just, I'm following his ways. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, whole Bible believer, but there's so many people I think that call themselves whole Bible believer. So you're not right. A lot of things that are like, in conjunction with each other. So if they're Mm -hmm. saying, I keep the commandments and, oh, I'm going to be celebrating Passover this year, Uh or I celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, or here's this little tidbit about the Sabbath. Um, Mm -hmm. And on Saturday, uh, but I mean, we still kind of keep the Sabbath on Saturday, but not exactly. Like we don't really keep it. We just fellowship with people. I don't know. Um, yeah. And that's like, that's such a cultural thing too. Cause it's like, it's the weekend. Yes. Of course we're not working and we're taking it easy and yeah, I'm going to catch up on laundry and maybe go, you know, to run a couple errands getting, if I need food at a store, or if I want to go shopping with my girls, like, uh, you know, but it's a time of it's rest. It's for family. It's for resting from the work that we do during the week in, in that and- sense. So Hebrew, when I was Torah observant, I wouldn't do anything like that on Shabbat. Uh-huh. Uh, so like no going to the store, no restaurants, yeah. no like that. Um, so another thing that people would say is, I think I already said it, follow his ways, mm-hmm. not wanting to call themselves a Christian, uh, being oh, yeah. what label, what to label uh-huh. them. I think yes. is their one. Um, I noticed that with this guy, he was like, I, I consider myself messianic, but I'm on my journey and, you know, it's, it's kind of like a changing, he, he was, the label was important to him. Like, I remember that being a a marker in the conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, it, if some, sometimes people will send me a link to a profile and they'll be, be like, so what do you think about these, this person or what do you, and they're not asking about like the, 
like the, <laughs> just the account is what they're really asking mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Um, and so I'll say, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're Torah observant. Um, there's this one account that's pretty large that I haven't ever seen her post anything about feasts or anything like that, but she, she almost exclusively calls God Yahuwah. So, and she also has a very large family. So I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I tend to think that, mm-hmm. uh, she's Hebrew roots, but I'm not hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's helpful. And I think, you know, if it weren't for Instagram, I wouldn't even know anything about this. I really wouldn't. And I bet a lot of people are in the same boat that you get exposed to so much more on social media than you would if you weren't on it. And then you've got these things like that you'll notice like, oh, wait, why are they calling God Yahuwah? Or why 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 do they don't say they're Christians or, you know, like just different things that like, if you weren't exposed to it, you'd have no idea what it meant or um, that it even existed. And so the, the challenge for us as believers who are in the world and engaging on these platforms that are exposing us to a lot of different teachings, especially related to what does God's word say and mean by what it says, we have to know the Bible. And you said this, you know, before we recorded, it is more important to know the, um, the real thing, just like with currency, you need to know what scripture says, what it teaches, what God means in his word so that when you see a distortion or a twisting of something, it stands out. And, and that way you can be more discerning about who you choose to follow, um, whose word you, you know, choose to kind of let impact and influence you because nobody can deny that we are influenced by what we see on our phones and that ideas can seep in and start to take root that you don't even mean for them to. And, um, and I think that, you know, it's just important for us to be really aware and discerning of of that. Um, and it's helpful around this time of year because those accounts are all like Christmas is pagan, you know, and they're sharing all these like deep dives on why it's pagan and why they the, the tree is pagan and this is pagan and the lights and the, all of that. And so this is an easy time of year to find it and like identify, but throughout the rest of the year, it gets harder. <laughs> it's, it's not as obvious. And so um, I really appreciate you kind of taking the time to just help us dive deep, sharing your story, coming out of it. Um, and I saw a quote, I don't know where I saw this, but like someone was saying that life in Hebrew roots is like CS. Oh, I know it was Nikki Schumacher and she's was on the cultish podcast and, and she and her husband shared their story, but she said like life in Hebrew roots is like the CS Lewis quote. It's always winter, but never Christmas. And I thought that was dead on <laughs> really really very true i mean that always winter and never christmas man just so sad you know and yet so indicative of what life without you know the truth and the clarity that in the light that god's word brings it is that it is always winter but never christmas and um you know here we are in the middle of a winter where we're about to celebrate christmas um and imagining you know trying to find the joy in a life that was not impacted by the 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 right interpretation of God's word and scripture. Um, that's a heavy, heavy burden to carry and a heavy weight to bear. So I just hope that, um, you know, I hope this episode reaches who it needs to and uh, appreciate you sharing your testimony with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, is there somewhere that people can follow you online and connect with you outside of this podcast? Um, I can be found on Instagram. My handle is in the proper time. Okay. Perfect. 
I will link that in show notes. So thank you so much, Heather, for chatting with us and enduring the um, major, major recording snafu that we had. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. I hope that conversation uh, was really informative and educational. I know I learned a lot and also, um, you know, was just encouraged to keep my mind open to those inside this movement are not all lost. I think many of them, many of them are brothers and sisters in Christ and there's just misunderstanding of scripture. And so to just approach those conversations with grace and truth as well. I mean, that's the the tagline of the show is truth and grace boldly. That's always my heart here. Um, I do have a passion for the truth. Grace is always the area that I struggle with and is is the place that God is growing me constantly. But it is it is very, um, you know, it's it's good to talk with other brothers and sisters who have different conver- or, uh, perspectives on even a topic like this, where she and I agree that it is, that Hebrew Roots is, is absolutely a wrong interpretation of scripture, but um, she can give me perspective on to how to think about, um, you know, the people who are stuck inside that movement. And ultimately, I want to see the truth and the freedom that is in Christ prevail in everyone's life who is his and and for no one to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery that they are not meant to have and um and more importantly even to not r- turn away altogether from Christ as Heather shared almost happened with her in her story so you know that's where my passion for this topic and so many others comes in is I want people to know the truth and to live in the truth and in in the light of that truth and not still in darkness as though that truth wasn't true so Anyways, um, it was a great conversation for me, and um, I hope that you benefit it as well. Okay, have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas, and I will be back with you in a few weeks. Bye.